and the walls come down and our hopes rise up and the sun beats down and our fears dry up through this whole wide world every step I took when the walls come down they get a brand new when the walls come down Welcome to Boise Song Talk. I'm James Coberly Smith. Give me just a second, set this guitar down if you would please. Thank you. Tonight, we're on location in the beautiful, rugged mountains of Idaho. I once asked tonight's guest, are you a songwriter, a storyteller, a folk singer, an author? What are you? She said all of that. To find out what she means, let's go over and meet tonight's special guest, the legendary two-time Grammy nominee Rosalie Sorrells. Rosalie Sorrells, good to see you, my friend. Always you, a bridesmaid, never a bride. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> you know, now in this segment, my friend, I'm hoping that we can talk about music, performing, and life on the road. Uh -huh. Now, you have often been referred to as a folk icon. <clears throat> I hate that. That's something you hang on the wall. Well, we're going to let you. We're going to let you talk your way out of it because I think, given that you're often called a folk icon, for that reason, I think it's appropriate that we begin our discussion with jazz. Could you tell tell us about jazz, um, its influence on you, and maybe the jazz scene in early Boise? Oh yeah. Boise was a, was a real jazz town for a long time, and uh, when I was a kid, it was a jazz town, and uh, there were a couple of local guys, one named Gib Hochstrasser and one named um, Fred. That's tough. All these names only <laughs> 40 years ago. You know, 50, I knew it a minute ago. I just can't that. remember. That's Fred. Right. Fred. He's a really great piano. Yeah. Norman, Fred Norman. Ah. And uh, there's uh, a regular, uh, there was a guy named Louis Ventrilla mm -hmm. who worked for the telephone company, oddly enough, so, so did my husband. And they were very mm. good friends and they both liked jazz a lot. Mm. And, uh, and they uh, uh, used that, those things in their life to facilitate making this town bring more jazz. Uh, and so I got to hear a whole lot of, I mean, Duke Ellington came all the time. I bet there was one year Louis Armstrong played here four times. He loved coming here. 
Really? I got to stay up all night and hang out with those guys after they got done doing the concert, and, and I got into a whole lot of trouble with my mother because <laughs> I forgot <laughs> to tell her that's where I was. Oh, I see, <laughs> I see, I see. With the jazz guys. <laughs> but it was so great, I didn't care. <laughs> Boy, did I get yelled at. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it was it was naturally here, and uh, and it isn't anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, there there is a, an affection for jazz, but there were really good jazz players who who were local and really good jazz players who mm -hmm. came here on purpose because they like, because like they could do San Francisco and Seattle and Boise yeah. <laughs> before they went to Denver, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it was a it was a real pleasure to uh, for for many of those guys to come here because they would be treated like they were at home. I mean, they they would be given extra good places to stay and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, that's some pretty high level jazz guys coming through here. Oh yeah, they were, and and uh, you know, I I got to go and hear them, and and uh, I was too young to be allowed to do that, but I I had a way of looking like I was. Ten years older than I was, if I wanted to. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. But I think it's interesting because you were around it, and Boise does have a history as a jazz city. Yeah. And you were there when it was, you know, you were growing up around it. I think it's very interesting. Um, the, again, since you're called the folk icon, that <laughs> that you have the. I know. I know. I know. No more icon. Um, that that you were highly influenced by jazz. You you said that you had listened a lot to Billie Holiday and things Charlie like Parker. That. Charlie Parker, <laughs> yes. Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah. They, Charlie Parker never came here, but Dizzy did. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they really they really brought the, the people in. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kenton came a lot. Woody Herman was here every year a couple of times you know just all the all the the best of of the i mean you, you can't get them to hire anybody like that anymore mm -hmm. no that nobody wants to hear that nobody i do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm nobody yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> quack. <laughs> where would they play was there a particular place in town that a lot of them would play? No. No? No, they usually were in concert, and, mm. and, and uh, there were uh, several places. But there was, a, there was a, an under-the-sidewalk uh, uh, bar, which I can't, it had so many names I can't remember. Lou's? Lou's maybe once it was called. Huh. But, but they would have big jam sessions, and... and you know, if if like there was a, there'd be m maybe a, a something sponsored by the jazz buffs, and and maybe it'd be Louis Armstrong, or maybe it'd be something. And, and then Woody Herman would be playing at this uh, uh, dance joint, and and uh, and all those guys. God, there were some unbelievable sure. people playing with him. Sure. <laughs> and I was more into bop, and so I, I probably was, uh, you know, 
really on the side of Woody Herman there. It's good. <laughs> you say you were more into what? Bopping? Bopping music? What were you? Bebop. Oh, bebop. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I should have known. All right. This, what do you mean? Who? What do you mean by bebop? Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm with you there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah. I think it was interesting, uh, the jazz, because... Al came here. You, you told me once you, you just grew up, you listened to everything. I did. Opera. Loved opera. How would you listen to those things? On the phonograph, and then if I, when I finally got to go to L.A., which is when I was 14, to see my, my, mm -hmm. my great Aunt Beatrice, who just did not approve of my taste in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that I wanted to go see that shit. <laughs> the the, the, or, the or, opera, you mean? She, the, you went in L.A., you saw... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, Aunt Beatrice wanted me to go here. Oh, opera. I see. I yes. liked opera. I loved opera. Uh -huh. Yussi Drilling and... Uh, Bidu Sayao and all, wow, you know, I know how to pronounce you. them and everything. They're very good. Very interesting. <laughs> I listen to everything. And uh, some of it I thought was really boring, but mostly if if it was alive and, and present, I, I liked it. Interesting. <laughs> and, not, and not just there for the money. I could always tell. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you... You shifted then, taking in these influences, and you started to become a musician yourself. Did, um, did you start playing guitar at a young age? or no. no? When did you pick that up? When I was married and had children. What, what inspired that? Somebody gave me a favilla. That was the make of the guitar? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a classical guitar, I, but I didn't want to play classical music on it. So. <laughs> yeah, I I ne never learned to. I never learned to play jazz. I think I learned how to uh, understand how to sing it. I don't know that I thought I did that very well, but I understood how it worked. But. Uh, I, I wasn't a musician. I, I learned how to play the piano when I was eight years old, and I never learned to play any better than you would if you were eight years old learning <laughs> to play the piano. <laughs> but I, I learned to listen to it. Yeah. Did you start? When did you start writing songs? When did that happen? Approximately. I mean, not. not... I don't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, writing songs. I wrote a song called Traveling Lady, which got to be very well known. Right. And, uh, and that's the first time I remember that I wrote a song because I needed to. <laughs> so, how, how do you mean? Did the record company or someone said you should write a song? Why no. Did, what do you mean you needed to? What does that mean? I wanted to leave, leave my husband and I couldn't think of a oh. good, good enough way to tell him. <laughs> It says, I used to live in a big, fine house with many rooms and a wide-open door. I used to live in a big, fine house, but I don't answer that bell anymore. <laughs> I've gotten to be quite a rambler, going by the land and the sea, and once it was aprons and dust pans and such, but now I'm a traveling lady. <laughs>
That became a big song for you. You, you um, at I'm some. Sure, I don't remember writing anything before that. Mm -hmm. Probably, probably little lullabies and stuff, little, mm -hmm. little songs. But that's the first time I remember writing a song because I needed to write a song. Mm -hmm. You took off, at, took off at some point, and you headed to New York. In the thick of the, like the early 60s or mid-60s, you went to New York, didn't you? No, I got invited mm -hmm. to the Newport Folk Festival. Then I went to New York ah. to visit a friend. Well, let's go straight to the uh, Newport Folk Festival then because that was... No minor gig. Tell us no, about that. No, I got invited to that because I sang traditional folk songs. That's why they invited okay. me. Was it a big crowd? <laughs> it's 122,000 people. <laughs> You're from Boise, Idaho, and you don't ever sing anywhere except in some little dinky place. <laughs> well, I was living in Salt Lake then. I was married. Uh -huh. My husband was really pissed off that I got invited and he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be. When, can you, when you went up on a stage like that, given that it, you hadn't been in anything like that before, and given that years later, at least you are, you are uh, such an artist in performance, in weaving stories and singing together, way back then, when you went to Newport, would stories have been involved in the set you played? I don't know how to do songs without telling the story. What do you mean? How do you mean? It's all the same to me. It's, it's like a little play. Uh, if you can't tell anybody why you're singing that song or what it is that makes you sing it, then you don't. <laughs> you know? I mean... I, I don't I don't put everything in that. But if if you're doing words, mm -hmm. you know you have you have to be able to communicate them. Mm -hmm. I mean I like jazz, and I don't think you have to do words. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, true. But uh, and I also don't think you have to tell anybody anything. Charlie Parker didn't. <laughs> you, you understood everything the minute, sure. the minute he played one note. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Holy cow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you then, so you went to New York City after that, and there was a place in New York City called a Lion's Head Pub. What can you tell us about that place? I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> Just a little? No? Yeah, I'll make place. something up. No, it was a great place. Yeah. Well, it was mostly full of uh, journalists. That's it was really a journalist bar, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, there were a lot of people who were also into jazz, and, and uh, uh, it was extremely hip to to uh, just sit there and listen and open up your head. And uh, it was all full of, I mean, the bartenders were the most interesting people you ever met in your life. Really? And they all played jazz. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, it was a place where people who needed to meet each other uh, and, and talk and listen and carry, you know, it was just, it was a very unique place. Now, around that time, you're in New York City and you were if I'm not mistaken, running into people like Dave Van Ronk, Phil Oaks, 
Bob Dylan. I mean, you're you're right in the thick of the action. What was that like? I mean, you were there, living there. Did you live there for a while? No. You would just go visit. I have a very good friend who lives there. Ah. Her name is Marge Marish now. She was married to Mike Seeger when I first met her, and, and I, I knew the Seegers too. And uh, she put me up for weeks, oh. months sometimes. So you would be there for an extended period of time. Uh -huh. but, but I didn't live there. Mm -hmm. Did you? And I'm still, I mean, we're very close still. Did you play some music when you were there in clubs or anything? Eventually. Yeah. I think you told me once that uh, Bob Dylan may have come to see one of your shows. He did. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I think you even told me he paid to get in. He did. <laughs> That's what we like to he see. He told me that, too. Oh, he told you that. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> he told you. So you made a point. Hey, I paid to get in. I huh? <laughs> rascal. You, you, you had mentioned that... Uh, Oh, since we're on Bob Dylan, that he had, after you had played, he was talking to you, and, and I think you said one of the things he asked you was, what's Idaho like? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you wouldn't know what to tell him. Come out and see, yeah? Oh, I know. He, he knew what Idaho was like. He knew what everything was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> <was> very smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's an incredible time to be back there. You... This is what I've enjoyed so much, Rosalie, in, in studying this incredible body of work that you have. And I encourage anyone to do it. Uh, RosalieSorrells.com, um, they can begin their search. But the search is so vast, you are, <laughs> I mean, these albums, they're, they're <laughs> all different. What I'd encourage someone to do is go out and pick one and listen to the whole thing and then get another one and listen to that. It's going to be different. There are some very basic albums. There are some highly produced albums. The other wonderful thing about all these things you did was just like in your live show, you would weave in the spoken word on albums sometimes. Fantastic. In fact, on the beautiful reading you did in our previous episode about your mother on uh, Social Security, you actually made an album of your mother's book mm -hmm. and you had music in it and you spoke in it and your mother even helped. You were working on it together. How, what was that like? Working on an album together with your mom on a book that she had written. No, we didn't work on an album together. No? Maybe she helped me choose some things or something, but no. But she knew you were making it. She yeah. was still oh, yeah. with us. Yeah. Okay. Here, now let me insert something here. Okay. This is a favorite poem of my mother's. Okay. I want to live to be an outrageous old woman who is never mistaken for an old lady. 
I want to live to have 1,000 lovers in one 70-year-long loving love, perhaps. There are at least two of me. I want to get leaner and meaner, sharp-edged, the color of the dirt, until I discorporate from sheer joy. <laughs> Jeez. She is such a, <laughs> she's such a poet. And this is your mom. Did your mom sing around the house too? No, she couldn't sing. She sang flat. She sang flat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good she could get those lyrics down, huh? Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. You, you back now back in this, this. Um, did was it called the beat scene back then? No. No, that was previous. It's never been called a beat scene. No, whatever. There's beats up <laughs> yeah, in there. Go somewhere else. New okay. York, California, anything. Not in Boise. No, but I mean, in, yeah. in New York, though, when you were back there with all those guys, with Dave Van Rock and all that, was was that considered beat scene or was that no. earlier? That was earlier, probably. Be well, Dave was certainly involved in that, but it was pretty late in Phil, though that really wasn't the beat scene. Okay. Because if you were a beatnik, I was. I, I thought we might have to. I didn't know if we could go on with the show. I just had to check that. I'm but too young to be beat, Jim. Okay, all right. <laughs> I just, just had to be had to be clear. Um, you know, you you had mentioned Charlie Parker, so I will mention one of your another one of your amazing albums that you made in uh, 1967, if I'm if this is correct, called "If I Could Be the Rain," mm -hmm. and I think you said there was that surprised people because you had a song in there called Up is a Nice Place to Be mm -hmm. that was that surprised people. Why? Tell me why that surprised people, that song. Because I wrote it. Oh, well, yeah, but you'd written other songs. They did not sound like Up is a Nice Place to Be. No changes like that. On the ceiling or high in a tree, climbing or flying around, floating on fragments of sound. Up in this rarefied air, you can see everything twice as clear, and you can learn how to fly when you find your own special high. You're nowhere when you're all alone. See, it has a bridge for one thing. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. <coughs> better by far than somebody to love and not all on your own. I don't need any more to get high than that. Let's make it look in your eyes. And I, I, I'm, and I'm up. I can't sing it that way. Okay. There when you're with me. Because up is a nice place to be. <laughs> See? I mean, it has it has changes. It has yeah. uh, changes that don't occur in folk music. Right. It has a bridge. It, it's built like a jazz tune. Sure. It's built like a jazz tune because that's what all I listen to most of the time. <laughs> yes, which is so interesting. I wanted to be a jazz singer, and I didn't believe I could. So. <laughs> I think you had said that that song came to you after um, listening to Charlie Parker. You had mentioned That's me. True. Interesting. <laughs> Would a song like that come quickly? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it came all in one piece when it finally came, but it was took took, took two or three years for it to get there. Very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right.
Um, life on the road. What was the best and the worst parts of of, of touring and, and performing? That's a huge question, I know. I, I, uh, want, I want to read a quote from a, a friend of mine who uh, taught enough. me how, how to express myself on those things. Fair enough. The music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. There's also a negative side. Hunter <laughs> <laughs> Thompson said that. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Hunter Thompson, you two, you two did knew each other well. Yes. Hunter S. Thompson, tell us a little bit about him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll see. Oh, he was he was a trip. He was great. Uh-huh. He was. One of a kind. A little bit There's like you. There's nothing to compare him to. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so extraordinary what you were in there. That is, was such an explosive time. And uh, you were just in the thick of it. You really were. It's amazing to me. And, it was uh, an accident. <laughs> uh, yes, I see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we're getting... Well, I, I was in love with a friend of his whose oh. name was... Eugene W. McGar, mm. and he talked like that. McGar, so he mm. pronounced his name. He, he didn't call himself Gene. He called himself McGar. Oh, I see. <laughs> Very nice. I immediately fell in love with him. <laughs> yeah. Well. And uh, and Hunter said, said I should watch my ass. I was really in big trouble. <laughs> Me? But he, he was a really good friend for a long time, and uh, and I don't know anybody I like better than Hunter. Very good. <laughs> really great. We are. What do you think the use of humor is in a live show? You use it well. It, 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 you better not try to get along with that. <laughs> That's what I mean. Better if you're going to do that, you better have a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna get serious about it, you're just gonna be dead. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. House concerts. You did a lot of house concerts in your day. What do you like about a house concert? You get to keep the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are bad. <laughs> I'm learning things. I am learning things. <laughs> well, we're heading toward the end of yet another show. Um, so fun having you here. Would there be any song of yours you'd like, like to take us out on? Or Let's see. Of mine? Yeah. If not, you can do a reading or, or we can just keep talking. I don't know. I used to live in a big fine house. With many rooms and a wide open door. All of my friends came to visit me there. I don't answer that bell anymore. I used to live in a big fine house. I had rooms for 20 friends or more. Now I run begging from lover to friend for a pallet on any old floor. 
Oh, I've gotten to be quite a rambler Going by the land and the sea And once it was aprons and dustpans and such But now I'm a traveling lady Now